really pleased to welcome back to the show realinvestmentadvice.com. I invite you to go to the website because you can read the blog, you can read the newsletter, all sorts of things there. And because Lance Roberts is there, uh, one of my favorite analysts. Uh, great to have you with us. Happy New Year, by the way. And, and thank you for finding time. Absolutely, Michael. So glad to be here. Well, and I know this is the time of year. It's not like I had to be a genius to know what to ask you. Uh, what do you see for 2023? But I did want to start. We got the Fed minutes earlier this week, uh, you know, telling us, I still think they're a little more hawkish than the market seems to assume, you know. So is that still the key determinant? I mean, is that still the what the market's all focusing on? And other things really are number four, five, and six when it comes to determining what market action is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just take a look, for example, like the recent employment numbers. Uh, you know, we got the ADP report out and markets sold off about one, a little over 1% because the number was a lot stronger than expected. And of course, that means the Fed's going to have to keep hiking rates. We get the, the BLS employment report the following day and the market's up over 1% because wages came in a little bit, uh, a little bit weaker than expected, which means, well, maybe the Fed won't have to hike as much. So it's, we just go from one report to another going, okay, what does this mean for what the Fed's going to do? Are they going to hike rates? Are they going to slow down? Are they going to pivot? And, and it's nonsense. I mean, we no longer pay attention to fundamentals or, you know, the, the actual you know, market valuations. You know, it's all about what is the Fed going to do next? And that's, that, that's a problem for investors. It's okay for traders because you just trade from one report to the next. But for an investor, it makes it very difficult. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we've been saying on Money Talks for a couple of years, the year we were looking at was 223, that we thought yeah. 222 would be chaotic, volatile. And I keep repeating this, but we thought really for over two years that 223 would be worse. And now we get all the geopoliticals coming more into focus, at least the dangers and stress, the stress in the financial system is more obvious. And that to me yeah. is going to be overwhelming. So we can see why maybe the models are sort of pointing to this year. And that's why, I mean, I just think it's a tough time for advisors and a tough time for investors. Oh, it is. And look, I mean, you know, trying to manage money in this type of environment is difficult because, you know, what works one week or even one day doesn't work the next day. You know, one day technology is, is on fire. The next day it's selling off and, and going to new lows. And it, again, it's just, you know, it all comes back to, you know, is the Fed going to hike rates? Are they going to reduce their balance sheet? You know, and kind of the big thing this year, Michael, has been every, every report is like, OK, does this mean the Fed's going to pivot? You don't want the Fed to pivot. And the reason is, is that when the Fed actually pivots and they start cutting rates, they don't do it gradually, by the way. When they start slashing interest rates, it's because they broke something economically. That's not the time that you want to own stocks is when the Fed pivots. So, you know, the, the, the bulls are kind of hoping for the worst case scenario, which is the Fed's going to start cutting rates, which means I can buy stocks. But that's going to be the point to where they're selling off drastically because something's broken economically. I, I hope everyone's listening closely. You know, I'm serious, you know, because I thought and I was chatting with Vic, Victor uh, a couple of weeks ago about this. I thought the Fed gave us every indication about which they prefer. They don't mind yeah. breaking something because uh, Jerome Powell said, well, we've got ways to handle that, you know, which we've seen yeah. over the last couple of years. But if inflation runs away, we don't have a way of changing people's psychology that way. And uh, I just think it's important. But it is that weird environment uh, where, <laughs> oh, it's bad news. That's great. You know, because as you say, they're all focusing on if it's bad enough news, they'll finally stop this raising and maybe even drop. And as you say, and I just think it's such an important point. I'm not so sure you want to be in the markets at that point. Exactly. Well, you know, and, and again, you know, when we kind of take a, you know, 
look at you know where we are economically, right? So everybody's predicting a recession for 2023. This will be the most well-forecasted recession ever, right? That everybody's expecting one. Well, okay, so even if we just assume we're expecting a recession, that means earnings estimates are way too high. Those have got to come down dramatically. And if earnings estimates come down, that means prices have to come down or valuations go up. So, you know, really, no matter how you look at 2023, you know, it just seems to me that the the, the risk of, of more correction in the markets, and that doesn't mean the market ends, you know, the year negative, right? We could actually end the year on a positive note, but we could have a fairly sharp sell-off between now and midsummer if we start actually seeing the impact of, of what the Fed's doing. And the whole goal of the Fed is to hike rates, to slow economic growth. That brings down inflation. Well, if you're bringing down economic growth, that reduces earnings. So it just seems to me there's a real challenge here for stock prices to try to go higher in this environment. Well, I think, again, I think that's a great point because you look at the valuations. Obviously, we went crazy in certain sectors of the market, uh, you know, uh, types of tech, even senior tech. You know, I mean, those yeah. valuations, uh, my, my longstanding and people roll their eyes joke was, uh, you know, Peloton was fairly priced as long as we all had one in our bathroom, our living room, our den. People who've got uh, mobility problems still bought two of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think that valuation question is one to focus on, though, because I'm, I'm not so sure we've returned to even, oh, boy, that's an attractive valuation, let alone if we do get downside pressure and earnings drop. You know, because of right. higher interest rates, maybe energy costs, whatever. Uh, I think that's getting overlooked. Oh, I, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, the one thing we have to look at is on top of that is, is that when you start talking about valuations, right? You know, we had a big run up in stock prices in 2020, 2021. Okay, so why did we have that? Well, we had that because the Fed cut rates to zero. They're doing $120 billion a month in, Q, in QE. But also we did $5 trillion worth of stimulus sent directly to households. And this got all these millennials and parents' basements, you know, on the Robinhood app, buying stocks. Of course, we had the whole meme stock thing going up, AMC, GameStop. And then, of course, you know, one SPAC, we, we couldn't get IPOs out fast enough. So we started doing these SPACs, which have all gone bad now. Um, but the point is, is that in order to have a return to that type of, of market to where prices are going up and people are buying stocks, not really care about earnings, you need all the things that are missing, which is the Fed is tightening their balance sheet. They're doing quantitative tightening, $95 billion a month this year. They're, re, you know, they're hiking rates, not reducing rates. That's tightening monetary policy. There is no more liquidity coming into the system. You know, that's why housing prices are correcting. Sales are slowing down. You know, everything you need to boost asset prices higher is running in reverse right now. And this is why it's kind of interesting to me that so many investors are trying to run into the market to buy stuff, hoping to catch a bottom. You know, we had FOMO, fear of missing out when markets were running up. Now we've got the FOMO of missing the bottom. Everybody's trying to just wants to bottom tick the market. And I think you're way too early here. Well, the other thing is that I think the Federal Reserve has been very clear. They have a direct correlation. They make a direct correlation between stock prices and mm -hmm. the sort of robustness in the economy. So if they want inflation down and they want to slow the economy, which is clearly spelled out, they actually can't have a decent market. You know, I, I, that, no, please disagree. You know, but I'm saying that's what I've taken yeah. from some of the stuff they've said. It's like a, uh, Victor and I talked about about a week ago. I said, why aren't we believing the Fed? We believe them on the way up and we're not believing them on the way down. But they, I think they've made it clear. We don't want the market up there. We don't want your house price up there. We don't want your collectibles, your NFTs. We don't want anything up there. 
So <laughs> exactly. I don't think it's mission accomplished yet for them. No, it's not. In fact, it's interesting you said that because actually in this weekend's newsletter that I'm that I'm writing uh, right now, I'm talking about you know, it, the, you know the bulls keep coming in wanting to run asset prices up. That's exactly the opposite of to your point of what the Fed wants. What they want is tighter monetary policy. Well, we have to go back to 2010 for a moment. You know, let's go back in the in the the time machine here, ten whole years. Ben Bernanke. In 2010, when he launched the second round of quantitative easing after the financial crisis, he said, the reason we're doing this is to boost asset prices, because if asset prices go up, people have a wealth effect and they will go out and spend money in the economy and that'll get the economy back on track. So higher higher asset prices make people feel better about spending money. Fast forward to today. The Fed saying, hey, I want to slow the economy down and the bulls are going, "Okay, but if you pivot, stock prices are going to go up. So they run prices up. In August of 2022 at Jackson Hole, Jerome Powell had a speech prepared. 15 minutes before he was supposed to give a speech, he tore it up, wrote another one that basically said, I'm not stopping hiking rates. And the whole point was to bring asset prices down. And he did. We had a fairly decent correction. Then we get, you know, in October, get oversold. Bulls start running up the market again, going, hey, maybe they're going to pivot. Jerome Powell comes out in December. Nope, we're not pivoting. Stock prices down again. So the the Fed has been clear to your point. We don't want higher asset prices because that eases financial conditions. Exactly the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. They want to control. They don't want to crash markets, but they want to control burn of asset prices to a lower level to bring down these inflationary pressures. So where does that leave the individual? You know, I mean, obviously we can't give specific advice. People have different circumstances, different ages, different risk profiles, that kind of thing. So I know I'm asking a very broad based question, but I mean, we've been preaching defensiveness here for, for quite a while, you know, and, uh, and happy to do it. But that's because I, that is my nature. You know, we bring Victor on because we want someone crazy. No, because we want (laughs) to trade. No, because we want a trader. And he laughs at me all the time because I'm so, I'm so careful, but really where, where does it leave? When I say let's be defensive. um, If you agree with that sort of general broad brush, what does that mean for individuals? Because I don't like that. I lost a lot of money. I didn't lose any money in the bond market because we thought it was horrendous. Uh, you know, and yeah. we've been very accurate on that. But I'm just saying somebody in the bond market said, OK, well, I'm out of stocks. I'm in bonds now. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. <laughs> you know, wear a black yeah. armband. Well, you know, and again, you know, the thing about owning bonds is sure bonds went down in price last year because interest rates went up. But if you own the individual bonds, right, who cares? Um, because the bonds mature at face value. And it's interesting because, you know, it, when the market was running up and we were really overvalued in 2020 ish, right? I had people call me up and go, you know, Lance, if I could just get 4% of my money, I'd be happy, right? You can go buy a one-year treasury, two-year treasury right now, get 4.5% on your money for two years. And so if you're, if you're willing to just sit on the sidelines and you're happy with 4.5%, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But the problem is, is psychologically, as individuals, as soon as the market takes off, we're going, why do I own these bonds at 4.5%? Market's going up 6 7% a day, right? So- you know, we're always drugged by these emotional biases. But here's the point to your answer to your question. Look, we're real underweight stocks right now. We have some of our some of our core long term holdings that we love. Uh, we're, we have a really short duration in our bond portfolio right now. And, and look, we're going to get to an opportunity this year. Um, I think that bonds are going to outperform stocks by the end of this year for a whole variety of reasons, because if the Fed gets their wish, you're going to have disinflation in the economy and that's going to be great for yields. 
So uh, we've got short duration here, but we'll probably lengthen that duration a little later on this year. But we've got almost 40% cash in our portfolios. And, and again, we're just waiting for opportunity. There's no reason to be running around, chasing everything, trying to nip the bottom here because there's no evidence that we're close to a bottom yet. Yes, look, we're oversold right now. We could very have a, a good rally here over the next month or two, and the markets wouldn't surprise me at all. But all these rate hikes, now I want you to, I want you to hear this very clearly. There's about a nine to 12 month lag time for interest rate hikes. The first rate hike, from zero was a quarter basis point last March. So if we just assume there's a 12-month lag, the first rate hike won't even show up in the economy until March of this year. So these rate hikes aren't even in the system yet, and we're going, oh, we're, the bear market's over. You haven't even gotten to the impact of what the Fed's been doing yet, and there's now four and a half percentage points of rate hikes that have not matured into the system yet. That's going to be slower economic activity, lower housing prices, lower uh, lower access to credit, all these type of things. And that's going to feed right through to corporate earnings. So again, be a little bit cautious here. If you're really scared about the market and you're happy with 4%, go buy a treasury. See you next year. <laughs> we'll do this. But, you know, um, I think you've got time to be patient here. But I think your point also in that, in wrapped up in that is, short term. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm saying I, I'm worried about longer term for a lot of reasons. And, uh, you know, but I'm just saying, I, by the way, I wasn't that guy phoning you and saying, if I get 4%, but I was the guy who phoned and said, hey, if I can get 5% in a one year, I'm in, you know, I'm literally, you know, and that, yeah. was, that was where I parked some money. You know, we, we went up to in Canada, you know, I got some stuff out of our major banks at 4.85, you know, and, yeah. and, with even even with a redemption clause, you know, in case the market did drop nine thousand points or something, and I wanted to get in, I, a redemption yeah. clause that still brought it up. But I, I think your point about cash and caution: there are things to do. I find it much easier than to say the same thing and say I'll park my money for half a percent, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, we're getting yeah. rewarded for that patience much better than we have in about five six years. Absolutely. And you know, look, the, the, the whole thing is, is that we get too wrapped up in, and this is the media's fault, you know, to be honest with you, Michael, because it's like, oh, what, you didn't beat the market this year? Well, you got to be in, you know, you need to change advisors, you got to do all this other stuff. You know, we got all wrapped up in this really short term narrative of the market that we've got to do this, we've got to be beating this today and do this. That's not the point of investing. The, the point of investing is to grow our savings. We worked really hard for our money. And then we just kind of gamble with it in the markets. And so the whole point is, is to, to make this money grow over time. And that means sometimes just being in cash and waiting for the right opportunity. You don't run out and just buy a house every day. You wait for the right deal to come along. And that's the same thing that you should be looking at in your portfolio. Where is the best place to put cash? If there's not a place, cash is fine. It provides opportunity and liquidity. And, and this is the, we need to focus on the, the important facts about what money means and how to invest it. Well, uh, seriously, I'm thrilled with what you're saying here. This is the money talks approach, you know, that, I mean, I've been around, I've seen, you know, I, I was an old guy in 1987 with the crash, you know what I mean? So I've seen, I've seen a lot in that way. Uh, every day I wonder if I've learned anything, but I have seen some, <laughs> but uh, let me just finish. I know I've kept you a little longer. I, I, let me, please let me just fire a couple of things at you. Uh, gold, for example. Uh, look, I, I, I have nothing against gold right now. Gold's a little bit overbought short term. It's had a nice little run here lately. Um, did not act as an inflation hedge in 2022 by any stretch of the imagination. 
um, you know, gold for us is a commodity and, and we trade it as commodity and, and, and what gold responds to is real yields and that's yields minus inflation. And right now there's a big divergence between gold and real yields and, and either one is one is going to catch up to the other. Either gold prices will catch down to real yields or the Fed is about to break something and you're going to have a big drop in inflation, which will bring real yields up to gold and gold will go higher. So. You know, if you really want kind of a measure of, of, of gold in your portfolio, watch real yields. That pretty much tells you everything you need to know. And, and just quickly, uh, again, I didn't mention this up top, but you're in Houston right now chatting with us, right. you know, obviously concerned on a, you know, sort of like Alberta, but uh, the, the whole world's found out that energy is important. So that's, you know, if there was sort of an easy lesson from the uh, 2022, it was, and shockingly, some people needed to learn it. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. still flabbergasted by that, but uh, where 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 are you at with the oil market right now? Socks and so, the commodity. Yeah, so in November of 2021, you know, remember in 2021 we had oil prices go negative, and every nobody wanted to own energy stocks. Everybody hated them, and so November we said, "Hey, buy energy stocks. This is going to be a great trade for next year." Uh, in 2022, oil stocks were up 40 percent. The market was down 20. Rough numbers. Um, that type of divergence of performance won't last forever. Here's a couple of things. Um, Oil prices are coming down. They're getting a little bit oversold. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bounce here in oil prices short term. Um, drillers and, and some of the, the smaller oil and gas companies are oversold. I think they're, I think they're due for a bounce. However, uh, I put a big caveat around that. This is a tradable opportunity because if the Fed gets their wish and we have a recession and a slowdown economically, that's going to reduce demand. And oil prices will come down. And obviously, since energy stocks are priced against the commodity, uh, energy stocks have to come down. And interestingly enough, like gold and real yields, there right now there's a very big gap between energy stocks and the price of the commodity. And that's got to close. And so either oil prices are going to catch up with energy stocks or energy stocks will catch down to oil prices um, but, you know, again, I, you just need to be a little careful here. I, I still like energy stocks, but after that massive outperformance this year, I would be looking more towards things that everybody hates this year for potentially some potential outperformance. Great stuff as usual. I'm, I'm smiling there thinking uh, I've broken my rule. I don't like guests who are better than the host, but no. <laughs> Lance, I've never been Michael. <laughs> well, Lance, thank you so much for finding time. Look forward to chatting again. I know you're busy. Realinvestmentadvice.com. But here's the great thing. You can go on it like right now, you know, whenever you're listening. And Lance writes their newsletter. He's on their blog, you know, writing pieces. So he's able to update and uh, it's absolutely free. Take advantage of it. Lance, thank you. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it.